is this the end of the world? Well, right now, it's easy to feel like the world is falling apart. The Bible talks about the end of the world and talks about when Jesus comes back. Is that now? Welcome to the New Community Church Podcast. Today, we're continuing to talk about tough questions, and this week, we're wrestling with if we're in the end times. The entire world has changed over the last few months. Businesses closing, people losing work, kids got off school way too early. It's a really big deal. But is it the end of the world? It sure feels like it some days. We're going to look at what the Bible has to say about this as we continue our series, Asking for a Friend. Here's Pastor Aaron. Well, welcome everyone. I hope you're having a great start to your Sunday morning. And if this is your first time at NCC, we want to welcome you. You've picked a great Sunday to join us because we're talking about, is this the end of the world? Is this the end of the world? Over the next few weeks, we're in this series called Asking for a Friend. And we're looking at some of the big questions we face, but maybe we're too afraid to ask. Maybe we think we should already know the answer, or we think we could never ask those in church. And as we look at this, kind of over the next few weeks, we're tackling some of these tough topics, and there's this overarching theme every week that we're diving into, and it's this, that God's word is the foundation for our life, not our feelings, not our opinions. So maybe you're thinking, it feels like the end of the world. Everything's so chaotic. Everything's going crazy. But once again, it's God's word that's the foundation for our life. Or maybe you're thinking, Aaron, I know the answer. It's definitely the end of the world. I saw this on Facebook. Someone sent me an email thread and it said this, or I heard someone predicted this. Once again, God's word is the foundation for our life. Not just our feelings, not our opinions, but it's God's word. And so we wanna continue to dig in and to dive into God's word. And we wanna answer that question, is this the end of the world? Before we jump into the message, I need to give two disclaimers. Here's the first one. This is a two-part message. So we're gonna look at this question this week. We're gonna look at this question part two next week. And if you just kind of zone in, maybe you heard me say that, is this the end of the world? And you're scrolling through thinking, well, I'll listen to this guy for a few minutes. Let me tell you, if you only listen for five or 10 minutes, you're not gonna get a full picture. This is a very big topic and we're gonna do our best to look at some of the um, aspects of this question over the next two weeks, but you really need to listen to the message today and then next week to get this picture that God is painting of what he says the end of the world would be like. And so this is a two-part message. Please listen to this week and come back next week, and we're gonna continue to explore this question, is this really the end of the world? Second disclaimer, it's this. I'm not a prophet. I'm not a doomsday preacher. I'm not predicting anything, and so I don't want you walking away, maybe catching a part of the message and thinking, hey, I heard this pastor, and he said, this is the end of it all. Like Everything's coming to a close. That's not it at all. I don't want you walking away thinking, it's this year. Like Pastor Aaron predicted that it was this year. Everything was gonna come to a close. That's not what we're saying at all. What we're doing is we're looking at God's word and saying, God, what is your word saying? How do we apply that to our lives? As we read your word, what does that mean for today and for the time that we're living in? So I want you to hear that. Not a doomsday preacher, not a prophet, not predicting anything. We're opening up scripture together and saying, God, what does your word say? And then how does that apply to our life? 
And so as we look at this question right here, is this the end of the world? There's some things that we need to understand as we approach scripture. Now, many times as we read God's word and we come to these parts of the passage, we may flip over them. That's too hard for me to understand. That's too crazy for me to think about. Or maybe you've heard other people try to explain them and you're like, how did they even get there? What does that mean? Because I've tried to read it and it doesn't make sense. Well, when we're approaching this part of the Bible, what's known as the prophetic books, or you may have even heard it referred to as the Apocrypha, you can kind of hear the word apocalypse in the middle of that. And it's talking about kind of this futuristic picture that God does reveal in his word of what is to come and how God will um, move this part of the story, his story of redemption and salvation into the future and into eternity, what that'll look like. As we start to look at that, we have to approach and understand that literature and those parts of the Bible um, within a certain context. Here's the best illustration that I can give you of this. The other day, um, I think it was about a week and a half ago, my daughter and I were sitting on the couch, Angela, and she was scrolling through her social media feed and she said, Dad, you gotta do this. And so I was like, okay, what is it? She said, I'm gonna describe this movie to you and based off of the description, you gotta tell me what movie it is. And so I'm thinking, I'm pretty good at this, okay? Um, our family watches a lot of movies, I love movies. And so I thought, okay, I can probably do this pretty easily. And so she starts with this description, the opening scene, you see this husband and their wife and they have quite a few kids and all of a sudden a serial killer appears. And the serial killer kills the wife, kills almost all of the kids, only one of the kids survive. And so it's just the dad and his kid. And then as the kid grows older, he's kidnapped and he's taken to a far off place. And this dad has to partner with this mentally challenged woman and um, they go off on this rescue mission to try to get his son back. And I'm like, oh my, I do not like horror movies. I don't like suspense movies, like anything too kind of suspenseful. And I'm out if it's any kind of scary, I don't like it. So I'm like, Angela, there's no way. I'm not gonna know what this movie is. And she starts laughing and she's like, dad, it's Finding Nemo. And I'm like, what? Are you serious? Finding Nemo? And so I start to think through it. Yep, in the opening scene, there's the barracuda, right? It's it's this fish and it kills Marlin, the clownfish's wife. And the kids and only Nemo survives. And then Nemo's kidnapped, right, by the diver. And he's taken to the dentist's office and put in the aquarium. And then Dory, this mentally challenged woman who can't remember anything past a few minutes, they partner together. To, and I was like, I would have never in a million years guessed that. And so it's an, when I think about it, it's like an accurate description of the movie, Finding Nemo, but I would have never described it like that. It's from a different perspective. And that's how it is when we approach this part of the Bible, these parts of passages of the Bible. We have to understand that God is revealing to people that were living at that time what was going to happen in the future. And have you ever thought about what it would be like to Talk to someone about an iPad that lived four or 500 years ago. How would you explain the internet? How would you explain FaceTime or video conferencing or posting on Instagram or even digital pictures? Like what words would you come up with to describe that? Because there's nothing in their context, there's nothing in their language to even imagine those kinds of things. Well, as we approach this part of the Bible, we need to understand God was showing them things in the future that they had no kind of context or framework or even wording for, but he was revealing part of his plan of redemption and salvation. 
And so if you've heard someone say, well, I'm 100% sure this is the way it is, or this is what God meant, or when he talks about this, it was this nation, or this person is this individual in history. Yeah, we don't know that for sure. We're trying our best to interpret, but also knowing that we're reading people that were coming from a different context and a different culture. And so we can't just bring our ideas or our thoughts into it. We have to go back and try to understand what the writer was saying and what they were picturing and what it was that God was speaking and even what the intent it was of what it was that God was communicating. And so that's helpful as we approach this and begin to understand this. So we don't just bring, once again, our feelings or our opinions or our thoughts into it, but we're really digging down into the foundation of God's word. Now, as we approach this subject, I wanted to bring someone else in on the conversation. And so I was able to sit down with John Jones. Many of you guys know him. Um, he has a master's degree. He studied Bible and theology. He's part of our worship team. He's part of our teaching team. And so he helps um, as we formulate some of the messages and the topics that we're going to cover. And he's very passionate about this. And so I wanted to sit down with John and just ask him a few questions about, as he studied scripture, what he finds in God's word. Is this the end of the world? And so let me um, invite you in on that interview and that conversation with John Jones. John, so I wanted to, to sit down as we're in this series asking for a friend and we're looking at the end of the world. And I just wanted to go through some questions because I know you've studied this, you know, God put this on your heart. We've been talking about this of, hey, this feels like an immediate time, kind of an urgent time of what God is doing. And so I'm just going to ask you some questions and just as you've studied what you feel like God is speaking to you. And so let's start with this. Um, as we approach, you know, prophetic literature and what's known as the Apocrypha in the Bible, how do we approach that? Like, how do we interpret it? How do we read it? Kind of what's your thought on that as we study those parts of the Bible? Okay, so studying prophetic literature in the Bible can be the hardest thing to study. Okay. Uh, the biggest problem we have, there are many problems, but the biggest mm -hmm. is this huge time gap between right now and yeah. when the, the prophets lived. And that's not just a problem for us as we read the Bible. It was a problem for the prophets as they wrote it because in some cases, there's a gap of 2,000 years. Yeah. And they are seeing things in the future that they probably cannot understand. Mm -hmm. One case example is Ezekiel, who lived yeah. a little more than 500 years before Christ. In chapters 38 and 39 of his book, he writes about an impending battle that's going to take place. Yeah. Where... A coalition of nations is going to come down upon Israel and attack it with bows and arrows. Mm -hmm. And then God's going to knock down the arrows. Israel's going to go in and then take the arrows and then burn them for fuel for seven years. And that sounds crazy. Yeah. What's crazier is that this battle has not happened yet. And it would sound absurd to think, okay, there's in these modern days, there's going to be an army of archers attacking Israel. Yeah. <laughs> but if you stop and look at this differently, what if these aren't actually arrows, mm -hmm. but missiles? Okay. And not just missiles, nuclear missiles. Yeah. What it looks like in these two chapters, there's going to be an army of coming down upon Israel. Yeah. And God's going to swap down the missiles. Some of them are going to explode, some are going to land safely. And Israel after these armies that are attacking, God's going to destroy them. Israel's going to go in, retrieve that nuclear material from the missiles, and use it for nuclear fuel. 
the thing is, you know, we have these uh, things that, you know, Ezekiel could not possibly understand. Mm -hmm. And so some of the things that he writes or other prophets write may not be exactly literal. We may have to transplant modern ideas with, you know, the old ideas. Yeah. And we have to use just common sense when we do that. What is literal and what is, you know, symbolic and just, you know, go from there. Yeah. So, John, the next question, what are a few key places or, or books in the Old Testament, so the time before Christ, where we find this end of the world or kind of, yeah, end of time literature, some of these prophetic visions that the prophets have? We don't have a whole lot as far as, like, tribulations kind of stuff, what you find in Revelation. Okay. But we do have Daniel 7 through 12. Okay. Of those chapters. Uh, Daniel sees the first, you know, visions of what's going to happen at the end of time. And it is extremely symbolic and <laughs> difficult to, even for the scholars to study. Yeah. But there is that passage. Mm -hmm. There are also some passing references throughout uh, the Old Testament of what happens. It's whenever you see the phrase, Day of the Lord. Okay, yeah. That is referring to the tribulation. But as a general rule, there's not a lot in uh, the Old Testament about the tribulation, the end times, at least what we're thinking about as end times. Yeah. But what is interesting, there is quite a bit about what happens afterwards. Yeah. Because we think of the tribulation, the apocalypse, that's the end of the world. Well, no, the world is going to continue. After yeah. That. And so we have passages like that in the Old Testament mm -hmm. uh, that tell about what's going to happen in the future. Most of it is actually, though, <laughs> after the tribulation. Okay. Yeah. Man, that's good. Next question. Is there a mindset that the Jewish people had? I think you referenced that like in the first question of they're coming from a different context or culture. Um, are there any other thoughts about the mindsets that they had about the end of the world that's helpful for us to understand as we read the scriptures? I don't know of the exact mindset, but there was a problem that, you know, because as I mentioned, you know, the prophets didn't necessarily see things clearly in the future. Okay. As a result, you know, when they wrote things down, the Jews of Jesus' day mm. wouldn't necessarily interpret Scripture correctly. Okay. Because they wouldn't have the pieces to know and to decipher what happens when and mm -hmm. how. For that reason, they thought when the Messiah would come, he would come as a conquering king. Mm -hmm. Wipe out all the nations of the earth, at least the evil ones, and set Israel in a prominent place. And it would be the world's superpower forevermore. Yeah. Well, technically speaking, that is going to happen. Mm -hmm. That's going to happen when Christ returns. But they didn't understand that the Messiah would have to die. Yeah. And then ascend up to heaven and then return. So the Jews really didn't understand things. They, they lacked information. Mm -hmm. And as we study prophetic literature, and whether it be Revelation or Daniel or some other passage in the Bible, we're going to suffer the same problems. Yeah. We're going to lack information. We are going to make mistakes. We can only make our best educated guesses and pray about what's going to happen. Okay, the last question is, we know all of Scripture points to Jesus and it points to God's plan of salvation. Um, how does this prophetic literature point to God's plan? Well, a prophecy is a message that the Lord gives to an individual mm -hmm. to do to be delivered to somebody else. Okay. It might be an individual. It could be a group of people. And 
One example is Jonah. Mm -hmm. God gave Jonah a prophecy to go preach against the city of Nineveh, saying that God was going to destroy it. Yeah. Well, eventually Jonah makes a trip, you know, because <laughs> he doesn't want to. Yeah. Because he actually knows what's going to happen. Uh, Jonah goes and preaches against Nineveh. What does Nineveh do? Mm -hmm. It repents. Yeah. And so what does ha happens then? Well, God spares the city. Well, this is where grace comes into play. As God would later tell Jeremiah, uh, who lived a couple hundred years later, I believe it's in chapter 18, verses 7 and 8, uh, that if God decides to punish a nation yeah. for its sin, if that nation first repents, mm -hmm. he's going to withhold that judgment. Yeah. And that is really the gospel in a nutshell. Man, that's really, yeah, that's really good. Thanks so much, yeah, for taking time and just some of this insight. I think it's so helpful for people to hear this, yeah, just as we start to look at some of this literature. And so I really appreciate, yeah, the research and, and the study that you're doing, you being able to share what God's speaking to you. So, so I love the insight and the answers that John brought um, to this question right here. Is this the end of the world? And I want us to look at a few more things here. When we're asking, is this the end of the world? I think a part of that question is, when will the end of the world be? And Jesus talks about this. If you have your Bibles open, turn them to Matthew chapter 24, and we're gonna start reading at verse 36. So Matthew 24, 36, Jesus is talking about the end of the world. And this is what he says, concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the son, but the father only. So Jesus is very clear. No one knows when the end of the world will be. No one knows the exact day. No one knows the exact hour. Only God himself knows when that will take place. If you've ever heard anyone try to predict, it's gonna be this day, right? Like 2,000 reasons Jesus is coming back in the year 2000, or I think it was 2012, right? Or other people have throughout history have predicted the day. It's gonna happen on this day. And the Bible's very clear. Yeah, we don't know. No one knows that. No one can predict that. Only God himself knows when he will bring this plan of redemption, this plan of fulfillment to completion. Now, what Jesus does tell us in his word is he says that at the end of time, as all of this is starting to unfold, that we can know the seasons. Although we can't know the exact day and the hour, Jesus says, just like you look outside and you can tell the changing of the weather and the seasons that are going on, we can know the seasons that we're entering into as God is bringing this part of, if you will, history to a close and bringing the next part of his story of redemption um, into the picture. And so just, he says, you know, just like you would look outside and here in Texas, it happens like in a day, right? The leaves change colors and they fall off the trees. You know, you're moving from summer into fall or probably more accurately when the Cowboys come on, right? When football season starts, we know, okay, the weather's going to change. It's maybe going to, um, and it happens once again, really quickly, but it's going to start to get a little bit colder maybe, or it's not going to be so blazing hot. Um, we know that fall is coming and winter is not too far away. So you understand the seasons like that. So Jesus says, well, there's actually a point where you can begin to look at some of what's going on in the world around you and you can start to tell, hey God, there's a new season. You're up to something new. You're doing something new in the world around us. And so that's what he tells his followers. You can see this. 
So we can't know the exact day, we can't know the exact hour when we ask that question, when will the end of the world be? But we can know what it will look like. And I think that's a part of the question. What will the end of the world look like? And Jesus gives us a picture of that. Now, let me say this. If you're taking your picture of the end of the world based off of a book series or a movie series, don't. Right now, just take that, get all of those thoughts in your mind, just throw them to the side, throw them away, okay? And here's why. Because we need to understand, and some, I know there's been a lot of different series, some have been made into movies, some are very popular, but when we read those or when we watch a movie that's based kind of off of the end of the world, at best, it's someone's opinion about what God's word says. And it still has a plot line. There's still like the conflict in the story, the climax, there's romance, there's action, there's adventure. It's a movie. It's meant to be intriguing. It's meant to entertain us. The book, it's meant to kind of draw us in and captivate our attention. And none of that's bad, but it's a fictional work. It's not meant to be a biblical commentary or an in-depth study on what the word of God is saying. That's not the purpose and the intent that it was written for. So I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. If you enjoy watching those, um, you can do that. But it's also good to note uh, that doesn't give us the entire picture. It doesn't even give us an accurate picture many times of what's gonna take place or what the Bible describes. So you got some of those thoughts, take them and throw them out and let's look at God's word and see what it says. Now, once again, Matthew 24, this entire chapter, Jesus paints a good picture of what it's going to look like as some of this begins to unfold. And we're going to start by looking at what are some of the physical changes or the, the physical impact that we can see in the tangible world around us. Matthew 24, 5 says this, 24, Matthew 24, 5, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and they will lead many astray. So here's this thought. Jesus said, hey, people are gonna show up on the scene and they're gonna tell you that they're the savior. They're the answer to the world. Now, a part of that is, I guess in the past, you know, decades that have come and gone, people have kind of risen up in popularity and literally claimed to be a reincarnate or they are Jesus or they're the Messiah. And Jesus is like, hey, don't follow them. But also that word Christ or what would have been Messiah, this idea of God's redemption, God's salvation, God's answer to the issues and the problems in the world around us, Jesus is saying you need to be careful because people will rise up in popularity and they'll say, I have the answer to the political problems. I have the answer to peace in the world. I have the answer to the, the climate issues, right? All of the global warming and all of the effects, everything that people are talking about. I'm the answer to that. And Jesus is like, don't be led astray. Like, don't put your trust, don't put your faith, don't put your hope in them because that's a part of what God is doing to unfold his plan. He said, you're gonna hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed by this for this must take place, but yet the end is not yet. So whenever you hear, well, this, this nation, they have nuclear capability and they can shoot a missile here or this country, they're amassing this gigantic army and they're gonna attack everyone in the world. He said, yep, all of that has to take place and, and that's not even the end yet. Many times a lot of what we think about as the end of the world, this is just kind of the start of all of this. And that's what Jesus says, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All of these are but the beginning of the birth 
pains. So when you read that right there, um, Matthew 24, 5, and those next few verses right there, what you start to understand is many times what we talk about or what we think or even what we picture as the end of the world. I heard about a famine there. There was another earthquake in this part of the world. This happened here. Jesus says those are but the beginning of the birth pains. This is just the start of all of that. And so as we see some of these things taking place, once again, it could be a picture of God. Are we entering into a new season? Are you doing something new in this story of redemption, in this story of salvation um, here on earth? In Luke chapter 21, verses 25 and 26, it says this, there will be signs in the sun and moon and stars and on the earth, distress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the seas and the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And so Jesus said, hey, there's gonna be signs out in space, like there's gonna be signs in the sky that you're gonna see. There's gonna be this perplexity. What is going on because of the roaring of the seas and waves? When you hear things like tsunamis and hurricanes that are devastating entire nations and islands and flooding that's taking place, Jesus said, this is a part. It's a part of what we talked about last week of creation itself groaning and crying out for the redemption of the world. People fainting with fear and foreboding. What's taking place with everything that's going on where people are saying, hey, the pandemic in some ways is even worse than the virus. Although the virus is real and we're feeling its devastating effects, we're also feeling the effects of this fear and this worry and the stress of what's gonna come of the world? What's going on in the world? What's taking place? Well, Jesus said, hey, this is a part, this is a sign of what's to come and of what's taking place in the world around us. We read even before the time of Christ that God was unfolding his plan of the end of the world, of different nations rising up, of Israel being established, which happened in the middle of the 1900s, all of these things taking place. And we can begin to step back and say, God, this could be a picture of the season that we're in. But not only is there um, physical aspects, kind of in the nations, in the physical world around us, there are spiritual implications as we come to the end of this part of history and the end of what God is doing. And so in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, we see this, this writer of the New Testament named Paul, he writes this down. He says, understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. People will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents. That could be because they're stuck in a house with them. Ungrateful, unholy, heartless. This is a long list. Unappeasing, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but not denying its power. So something like, hey, I'm sending out good vibes. Hey, we've all got this kind of spiritual mindset. We wanna be spiritual and thoughtful and considerate of others, yet denying the power of God. Where does this heart and this longing of spiritual impact come from? It comes from God, but we're denying that. This is what Paul writes about. And he says, there's not only gonna be physical implications in the world around us, but something's going on in the heart and the lives of people. And that is because the enemy 
And as we read scripture, if we believe all of this, if we're followers of Christ, we believe that we have a very real enemy, Satan, the devil who wants to destroy God's plan of redemption and God's salvation. And in the end of time, he's gonna be working overtime to call people away from God, to distract people away from the love of God and the redemption of God. And so Paul said, not only is there physical things going on, there's spiritual things that are happening. And as God begins to unfold all of this, we're told that before all of this comes to an end, that there will be a final judgment. And in the book of Revelation, we're given this picture of death, hell, and those that have rejected Jesus, they're thrown into this lake of fire. Now, the first time I read that, I was trying to understand that of, okay, wait, so God takes death, however that happens in a spiritual sense, the pain, the suffering, right? The agony that death brings and that sin brings, and he brings an ultimate destruction to that. He takes hell, whatever that is right now, right? Our understanding of that, and I always thought hell was the lake of fire, right? Like, you're burning forever, but God takes hell and he throws it into the lake of fire. And then those that have rejected God that said, God, I want nothing to do with your plan of salvation. God, I'm rejecting your gift of forgiveness. I don't want to experience you. All of us that have said, God, I'm going to do this my own way. I don't want to do it your way. And God's going to take those that have rejected his gift of salvation and they're going to be eternally separated from God. Now, I know we don't like to hear that. That's the part of this that gets really kind of icky feeling. You know, we just want God to be a God of love, but he is a God of love. And he's given us this ability to come. When we didn't have a way, he made the way. When we didn't have an opportunity, our sin had separated us from God. Jesus bridged that gap and he came and gave himself. He sacrificed himself for us. And we have that ability to accept or to reject God and to receive his gift of salvation or reject that gift of salvation. And so a part of all of this coming to an end is the very real idea that God will take death and even hell itself and, and he'll throw that into the lake of fire, that those that have rejected God, they're gonna have to give an account for that and they're gonna have to answer to God for what they did with his gift of salvation. This is what's gonna be taking place in the world before all of this comes to an end. So back to that idea, is this the end of the world? Now here's the answer. We don't know the exact day. We don't know the exact hour, Jesus says. He said, we can know the seasons. We look at this and we're saying, God, some of this looks like it may line up with hurricanes and earthquakes and diseases and all of these things. God, this could possibly be the beginning. Like maybe we'll look back a hundred years from now, humans will, and they'll say, it looks a lot closer than it did back then. We don't know the length of this season. We don't know how long this time will be. I read this this past week and it was just a funny kind of joke. Um, I've read it before, maybe you've heard of it. Um, a man was thinking about a scripture in the Bible and the Bible says this, that to God, a thousand years is like a day. A thousand years, like, think about how long that is. And to God, it goes by just like that. It's just like a day. And this guy asked God, God, a thousand years, what's that like to you? And God says, it's like a day. And the guy thinks for a second. He says, God, what's a million dollars to you? And God says, it's nothing. It's like a penny. And the guy stops and he's like, God, can I have a penny? And God says, sure, just wait one day. And I was laughing when I read that because 
God's perspective is different than ours, right? He, he, he sees things from a different perspective. And so this time frame that we're stuck in, God is outside of the context of that. And in eternity, it all is going to look so different. And so we're not for sure how long the season is. Is this the beginning of the season? And how long does the beginning start? How long does all of this end? But as we look at this and as we think through this, is this the end of the world? Here's what we know. God has a different perspective. I read this quote. Let me read it to you. What the caterpillar calls the end of the world, the master calls a butterfly. That's by Richard Bach. And it's saying this. He's expressing this idea of what we call the end of the world. God calls the beginning of eternity. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 5, it says this. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Let me say that again. Behold, I am making all things new. Sometimes we're full of worry and fear. God, is this all going to end? What's this going to look like? What's this going to be like? And God says, just step back for a second. Because what you call the end, I am simply calling the beginning. This is the next step into eternity. This is me restoring everything back into the right order of the way that it should be. This is God taking the death, the destruction, the pain, the sickness, the cancer, the disease, everything that is wrong with our world. And God is going to put an end to all of that. And all of that's going to pass away. And God says, look at this. I'm going to do something new. Behold, I am going to do something new. We need a different perspective. Is this the end of the world? Well, it may look like it's closer to the end than we thought before, but it's really the beginning of what God is doing, of something new that God is up to. Now, why does God tell us all of this? And we're going to dive in deeper into um, a different picture of the end of the world and what God's asking, what that means for us. But let me help us practically apply this. Because as we approach scripture, we know this, that God's word is meant to draw us and point us to Jesus. It's expressing God's plan of salvation and his redemption in the world. And so why does God give us all of this? Why is there kind of this You can know the seasons, but not the exact time and the date and the hour and all of this. Well, let me tell you this. We're not meant to live in fear. We're meant to live in faith. Don't hear this message and get so worried. What does Jesus say? You're going to hear about these things. Don't be dismayed. Don't live in fear. Live in faith. And let me tell you this. Growing up, I remember being a part of a church and um, all of the students, middle school and high school students, we get together and they'd have these lock-ins and we would watch. I remember a number of times they showed these. They were really bad done, but it's called the Thief in the Night series. But but they were showing kind of the end of the world and what the Bible says about it. Once again, it was a series of movies. I think there were four of them. Then at the end, they would say, you'd watch all of them. And then they'd ask all the kids in, um, that watch them, like, who wants to give their heart to Jesus? Who doesn't want to face this kind of thing? And who's saying, no, I want to face that? Like every kid, and I'm always raising my hand. I didn't care how many times, like I did not want to face what I just saw on that. But that was motivated out of fear. And here's what I've come to fear and realize that fear will not keep you in a relationship with God. Maybe you read this and you get scared and you think, I don't want to go through that or I don't, I don't want to face eternity without Jesus. But fear doesn't keep you in a relationship with God. It's understanding the love of God. It's understanding the cross. It's when you see that he took our place and our punishment. 
You don't hang out with someone just because you're scared of what it means not to hang out with them. You hang out with them and you want to spend time with them and you want to be close with them because you love them. We don't live in fear. We live in faith. We live in the abundance of God's love. We live in his grace. That's who we are as people. And so that's what we have to understand. God's doing all of this not to scare you into heaven and scare you out of hell. That's not what he's doing. He's doing it because he wants you to understand his love and what he's up to and the plan that God has. The second thing that I want us to apply from this message is God has called us to be on mission with him. Make disciples. If you're a follower of Christ, if you've committed your life to Christ, God is calling you to make disciples. I love that this year, before any of this started, last year we got together as a church, as the leadership, and we said, God, what do the next five years look like? And he said this, make disciples. By 2025, we will make 1,000 disciples across three NCC campuses. We had no idea what this was going to look like and what was going to happen, but God is saying, hey, there's an urgency to help other people begin to follow after me. Do you hear that? God is calling us into mission with him. And whether this is the beginning of the end or whether this world lasts for another thousand years, we are in a time right now where people need to understand the love and the forgiveness of God in this beautiful picture of the gospels. That Jesus takes our broken lives and he says, I want to restore you and then I wanna invite you into my story. I want you to be a part of what I'm doing to redeem and to restore mankind and to help people understand my love and my forgiveness. God allows us to be a part of that. And so when we hear something like this and we start to think, man, is this really happening now? It could be, maybe it's gonna be in the future at some point. We hear, God, we have this calling and this purpose. We wake up with this passion, God. We don't wake up in fear. We don't wake up in anxiety, God. We wake up on mission to be a part of what you're calling us to do. And so as we look at this, is this the end of the world? God, are you doing something new? We hear God's invitation to be a part of his story and what he is calling us to. You guys, that's encouraging that God has a plan and he has a purpose for our lives and he's inviting us to be a part of his story of redeeming mankind and allowing others to know his love. Make disciples. Let me pray for you this morning. And I'm gonna ask you to take a moment, maybe bow your head and close your eyes. You may be by yourself or you may be with other family members or maybe you're watching this with one or two friends. And I just wanna encourage you with this, that God loves you. And maybe when you've heard about the end of the world, you've just pictured this God of judgment really mad at the world. And I'm telling you this morning, this is a God with a plan of redemption. This is a God whose heart breaks for the pain that we go through. And he's saying, I want to bring it all to a close. I wanna restore the world back to the way that I meant it to be. He wants us to experience the fullness of his love and his righteousness, a world without evil, a world without suffering. And the Bible's very clear, we can't fix ourselves on our own. We can't earn our way to heaven. We can't do enough good stuff to get in good graces with God. We can't do it on our own. And so Jesus came and paid the price. And maybe you're here and you're saying, Aaron, I need that kind of relationship. I don't have it. Or maybe I've prayed that at one point, but I've walked away and now I'm doing my own thing. But this morning, not out of fear, but out of love, I want to know God. I want to know his plan for my life. I'm gonna pray for you. I'm gonna ask all of us to say this prayer out loud. I want you to repeat this with me. 
Let's pray this together. Jesus, I come to you and I need your salvation. God, today I need your forgiveness. I've messed up and I've sinned and I realize I can't fix myself on my own. Jesus, thank you for paying the price. Jesus, thank you for the cross. And I pray this morning, be the savior of my life. Be the Lord of my life. Come into my heart and give me a brand new start. And I pray this in your name. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer for everyone that prayed it to commit their life to Christ or you're recommitting your life to Christ, the Bible says that heaven is throwing a party and heaven's celebrating and rejoicing because of the decision that you made. And I'm so excited. I believe that what we just prayed that God is gonna give you a brand new start. God's gonna show you his purpose and his mission. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Take some time and reflect on Matthew chapter 24. And think about this. How can you let faith and not fear direct your life, even during times of chaos and crisis? Here at NCC, we are all about making people and places new. And we want to know how we can help you grow in your faith. So connect with us online at newcommunity.co. We would love to hear from you.